Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Kimona. And this is Rebels Advocate, the podcast where we break down the shit show that is the current social climate and reframe the radical. Let's get started. Hey, Erin. Hey, Kimona. How are you on this wonderful evening? I'm I'm well. I'm well. Nothing nothing too much to complain about. Nothing dramatic has happened this week. No no further coup attempts. Oh, yet. Can I say that without being Oh, absolutely. Like you just said, we have a we have an inauguration That's coming this up week. this Wednesday. Yeah, I so when this goes live, that's literally the next day. Um mm-hmm. which is wild. That's it is wild. <laughs> the wildness, I the pictures of like the National Guard like sleeping on the floors of government buildings. It's really it's really disheartening. Yeah, it's like it's a little terrifying, I'm not going to lie. It's scary knowing that, like, usually, if you were to see an image like that, like, you'd assume that the the threat, the terror is something foreign, air quotes, air quotes. But, like, it's this ideology of, like, a patriot. So, and that's not, it's not what's happening. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm sure we'll have, we'll have thoughts and things to share I am certain things will occur to talk about. Just get ready. But in the meantime, we're taking a break from current event drama. I don't want to call it drama, but like it's drama. Um, It's a soap opera. American life is a soap opera. It really is. And I love when people like refer to it as like the, oh, like the season finale of America <laughs> is like really, they, the, the writers, they really did the most this season. <laughs> I like the people who were like, oh, the, my seven day trials up for 2021. I don't need to buy the next. I don't need to. Honestly, that's how I feel. Um, but speaking of buying things, let's talk about capitalism. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this conversation is predominantly brought to you by the intersection of capitalism and feminism. And then, of course, sprinkling on some other intersectional uh, concepts of race and class and all that jazz. But um, by the title you hopefully can understand listening what to expect because you've definitely heard the phrasing girl boss before. And Kimona and I are both not a fan (laughs) of that terminology. This term that is supposed to be, and I say supposed to be very lightly, but it comes from white women wanting to feminize the concept of being a boss and being your own boss and I love the idea obviously of making women as bosses something that's common and not rare and unexpected and like some big pivotal moment like your gender has nothing to do with your ability um but then quickly that's divulged into a very toxic ground of 
okay, so if I'm a girl boss, you're implying that like me being a boss is something to do with my femininity, my gender expression, what potentially what genitalia I have. Like that's just very, it's just going quickly and snowballing into like this deep, deep rabbit hole of so many toxic traits with both capitalism and how that system is monetized. And it just makes me really uncomfortable, especially to see so many typically white women like endorsing it and thinking it's a good thing, thinking they're feminists for using that kind of slang and like, oh my God, I'm a boss and it's so great. Girl boss, girl boss, girl boss. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like to think of the hashtag girl boss as hustle culture, but in pink. Literally. Because, like, they're, they're really – the only difference I would that – I, that I can – that comes to mind immediately is that hustle culture tends to focus on, like, the side hustle. Like, this isn't your main thing. Like, you just have, like, gig on top of gig on top of gig, like, whatever that may be. Whereas, hashtag girl boss, uh, I'm imagining it with a TM every time I say it, just so you know, <laughs> um, is – very focused on the hierarchy that is in like corporate capitalist America and like being like the the female CEO in a neon pink suit and like don't get me wrong I love a brightly colored suit like I want one so bad yeah this could totally be costume changes can be exclusively legally blonde oh yes I the way that I want a neon pink suit because I just I love bright colors and I love like the the little like pantsuit kind of get up like that's my style that's very me um but then you add hashtag girl boss and like yeah like look at me I'm like a multi-million CEO whatever else Forbes likes to list uh and then it's just like okay you're just another very rich white person most of the time um and like what are you actually what does this actually have to do with like feminism or like womanism or any, anything that's like furthering society it really is just like let's put women into the role of the oppressor and then like let's call that let's call that like liberation like because that's not what it is it's not like women getting up to the top of a company cool great but we still have to recognize that capitalism is a major structure of systemic racism and that all of these things are intertwined and it still can be really toxic and just like negative even if it just happens to be a woman in charge Absolutely. It's, it definitely aligns with the conversation we've had before on the podcast of just like this glass ceiling structure of, okay, so like how hard is it for you as a white woman who comes from money, who comes from, you know, maybe nepotism was involved in your hiring process or maybe what school you went to or what internships you got, you know, having money and whiteness in your corner is really, really going to put you at a level of advantage that really is going to make breaking that glass ceiling. So, so much simpler. Like it's so different 
when, and not to discourage the fact that, you know, being a woman in charge is still a rarity, which is very disheartening. Um, and I'm really realizing that's like my version of your nuance. You say nuance all the time and I always say disheartening. <laughs> um, but it's it's frustrating to see that, you know, a woman in charge also has to have so many nuances. Ooh, um, love it. You have to be aggressive. You have to not have a family. You have to, and obviously I'm saying have to very loosely and kind of sarcastically of just what's in, in expected of a woman, specifically in corporate America. And granted, I'm lucky that I <laughs> chose not to go down that path. I don't feel like corporate America is something that would bring out good in me. Um, and I find that those barriers are things that I don't want to cross. <laughs> like, And especially because I would feel a sense of uh, diminished accomplishment to know that, you know, so many things are, even if it's a tokenism, you know, mm. like, oh, we need a woman as a manager somewhere here. Like, that still happens a lot in corporate America, um, especially once you start adding other intersections of race and maybe sexuality or disability. A lot of companies um, really just are looking to check boxes and, you know, seem like they're open and liberal and progressive and like, see, look at all the Black people we have at our office. Um, and that goes into that conversation we had in our intersectionality um, conversation on the podcast of just, okay, well, you have a lot of Black people and a lot of women, but you have a lot of Black women. Like, people are often tokenized to check boxes, but you're not really meeting or, you know, dismantling any of the actual systems of oppression involved. And I think that's extremely important. I, I cannot remember this exact quote, but I saw this quote on Instagram, um, and it was basically just, like, dissecting the idea that diversity in corporations is just used as a band-aid um for bringing up larger systemic issues just because you're putting someone who fits a certain box and fits your quote-unquote diversity quota in a position of power doesn't mean that you've changed the power structures at all um and it doesn't actually do anything to dismantle the systems and i think that's super important and a big issue that i have with this whole idea of being a girl boss like I am a, first of all, I'm a woman. Um, secondly, if I, like that, that shouldn't be the focus here. Uh, it does, it just feels so superficial to me, you know? It's such a superficial movement, if you can call it that. And it's rooted in whiteness and wealth and materialism. And I just don't think we need any more movements that center whiteness that glamorize capitalism and like working yourself to death and like the hustle the grind never stops like no it needs to it needs to stop like you need to take a breath you need to schedule in that time for yourself if you have a tendency to not do that and we don't need another movement that tells us that more stuff 
is the answer when we are literally a society that is rotting from the inside out. Like, I don't think piling more stuff on top is going to do anything but squash us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what really needs to be identified here is like white women, this is an issue. This is your issue. You should be concerned that, because it really is. It's white women as this girl boss making this a hashtag, making this something that you use in your own marketing tactics of your small business, of of your own marketing, of your personal brand, and then tie in all of the actual capitalist structures that are targeting you as a woman in business by selling you pink pens and making a everyday object for women and, you know, that, that doesn't make any sense. And participating in that system without really identifying where you're at is really toxic. And I, disheartening, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> this is something that white women should be concerned with. And naturally, they're, it's not as obvious to white women because they're not having, they're not immediately targeted. They're not really seeing any negative consequence from it. But if you dissect it really quickly, you should be able to see how your work and your worth is impacted by being targeted by marketers and other companies and just the capitalist structure that you're an anomaly for being a woman in charge. And, you know, that's why I came up with this title of, you know, I'm not your girl boss because I don't know why my gender or my gender expression is at all impacted by my work. I'm just a boss who is a woman. What, like, that's like saying, like, redhead boss, like, like, yeah, what? What does what my, my hair color have to do with anything? It's just not relevant to your work. And it really, I mean, then, okay, cool. If we're going to do that, let's let's go to the other side of the coin here. Then I'm going to call every male CEO a man boss. Like, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, well, really, they're man babies as bosses. Mm. Man babies. <laughs> in suits uh boss baby if you will yes yes that's a terrible movie okay but like the netflix series was kind oh, of no good. no i will not accept that i was a nanny when that movie came out and like the six-year-old that i nannied like wanted to watch that and it was full on torture for me yeah it doesn't Oof. make any sense as a show and it's like <laughs> capitalist propaganda but i did watch it all by myself with no child just for fun that's traumatizing i don't know who hurt you to put you I, in that position yeah um i was just really intrigued by what uh i don't know it gave me like low-key like rugrats nostalgia but it's not the same as rugrats at all no we cannot endorse <laughs> that here i i will not be a part of this 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 company is just as much as mine <laughs> 50 and I will not endorse that here. <laughs> Alec Baldwin in a diaper will not be endorsed on my Wait. podcast. Wait, Boss Baby's a Baldwin? Yeah, the guy the guy who is 
the guy who is the boss baby is Alec Baldwin. I'd like to recant my previous statements. (laughs) (laughs) I did not realize that there was a connection. See, there's your trauma coming right up. Honestly, that's what it is. Wow. The uncle of your bully. Isn't that their relation? I think. I don't know. I'm sure he's not the one on the TV show. I'm sure they could not have paid him enough to do that. I don't know, man. You you can watch your show still. It's not the movies. Alas, boss babies are what I imagine all men in charge as. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so this culture of women as an anomaly, when they're the ones in charge, the ones who work full time, work in corporate America... Um, and are expected to meet these boxes of like, well, you can't have a family and be a boss. Oh, you you can't make these decisions because you're a mother. You're whatever. Um, just expectations that are never held to men in the same position. Um, and just the misogyny involved in this structure, which is then used to market uh, a whole different system of Look, women can do it too. And it's it's totally masked as that, right? Yes. You're totally masked as, oh my God, women can do anything that men can, but in pink. You need de- you need different, more expensive products to do it. Like when Bic came out with pink pens for women. That's literally what they were called. And I don't know much about it, but I'm pretty sure those were just the same exact pens in pink marketed towards women and probably cost more to be honest yeah i remember when that was happening and the like the amazon reviews <laughs> they people were very uh snarkily reviewing these and being like so yes these were so good for my fragile woman hands i'd been writing all wrong my entire life and i had no idea <laughs> but even so, I think most people can identify that as some totally convoluted monstrosity of giving me a pen made for a woman. But, you know, I mean, obviously there's certain things, certain materials that should be targeted towards women, you know, maternal health, uh, products that may be used for women who, you know, menstruate. Um, anything like there, there are definitely differences between men and women. Um, but there shouldn't be like a diversity between basic human needs that all of a sudden women can do it too. If it's different and targeted towards them and pink and more expensive and fragile and all these elements that are unfortunately associated with femininity and also like can boys not like pink i don't understand i don't know how color was dominated by different genders yeah, it's actually okay. That's this is like my favorite, like random fun fact. But originally, yeah, um, I feel like we've either talked about this before or I told you because I learned this in the class that it was switched. We, yeah, it was switched. Like, girls are like, boys are I like I'm, I feel like I might have been the person who told you that fact. I'm pretty sure Tumblr told me that fact. In oh, the early, even better. 
early okay. days. Well, well, then you knew before me. I learned it in an anthropology class. That's so fun. Knowledge. I love knowledge. We should um, probably tell. We should probably tell them what we're talking about. Yes. So back in the day, like before the world wars or I don't know if it was before both of them. I don't know the exact date of the switch, but uh, the colors that we associate with male and female, boy and girl, were switched. So right now, you know, girls get all the pink things, boys get all the blue things. Woohoo! Because, you know, gender, colors. Um, but it used to be that boys would be in pink uh, and girls were in blue. And, like, pink was supposed to be, like, strong and vibrant and masculine, um, and then it switched. Reasoning, I believe, has to do with Hitler. Okay, let's not say that because I have no idea if that's true. <laughs> I have to double check, but I let's. I'll come back to it. Let the me fact point, check the, it. The point is <laughs> that it's such a construct that the same rationale of a color meant for a woman, uh, for babies and boys and girls, women, men, has literally been switched because that's what it meant at the time. That's how it fit whatever agenda. Um, but that's how much of a construct it is. And of course, there's also a huge point that's missing in targeting products specifically towards women and then by default everything else is for men but that's ignoring a lot of other gender presentations that just can't is refused to be acknowledged by corporate america and marketing and other capitalist structures um because they don't fit into a binary and that's just mind-boggling to me um and just very frustrating very frustrating because there are a lot of people who don't fit into that binary and you know if you're sending this mixed messaging of products only being fit for women and then again the default is to men where does this put this massive structure uh, massive population of other people who don't fit into either of those binaries are you looking up your hitler fact um i am so far i, I have not there's just been like a lot of discourse about the colors switching now that there's it's too hard to find it on a whim specifically uh, also, but also boys used to wear dresses as children like that was the norm let's I'm just also <laughs> recount how you mentioned that this knowledge came from tumblr <laughs> so that's a good point your, yeah. your sources aren't the strongest here <laughs> I haven't re-researched it in a while, so I could. I also could completely just be remembering things wrong because the human brain is wild. <laughs> so listen, if you're here for straight facts, not the place to be. First of we all, you weren't going to get straight facts because neither of us are straight. <laughs> Those are usually my jokes. I... Lots of points towards you. Thank you. Thank you. Just coming up in here. Um, yeah, anyway, so the uh, gender colors, it's a complicated history. Uh, but do you want to know another weird, like, is this a nuance? I don't know. Maybe not. But a weird connection. What isn't? <laughs> um, everything's a nuance. Anything is nuanced if you try hard enough. <laughs> Okay. No, maybe. Um, but 
<laughs> something that I've noticed with like a lot of this like hashtag girl boss um, and like the people who self-identify as hashtag girl bosses uh, one <clears throat> some of y'all are annoying two some, some. most yes uh, most almost all I would say uh, secondly why is like Almost every hashtag girl boss a part of uh, an MLM, a multi-level marketing. Dude, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> it's because MLMs target vulnerable people. Yeah. It's horrifying. Horrifying. I went down and a I mean, rabbit hole recently. Let's look at MLMs. I mean, an MLM conversation is totally different territory. And I'm like all about talking about that. But to that vein, like to not even talk about all the other issues with MLMs, but you know, they target women who are at home, maybe stay at home mothers, mm-hmm. um, girls that are in college looking for a stream of income um, while they're in school, women who are in need of money without necessarily giving up, like going to a physical office dedicating a X number of hours in these time frames, nine to five, whatever. Um, so that usually targets young women and that, that uh, verbiage of being a girl boss is supposed to, and it works clearly, mm-hmm. inseminate this idea within them that I'm a girl and I can do it too, even though... Like that's that's the real harm here is they it's really brainwashing these women to believe that this mantra is something to celebrate that you as a woman doing things that are difficult doing things that are based in monetary value is something unique and to be celebrated and that should not be the case why oh why oh why should I be celebrating my vagina succeeding. (laughs) Like I'm all about celebrating womanhood and celebrating your successes in the workplace as a career. Women having careers is an incredible thing to celebrate, but there should really not be this overlap of celebrating it as something that has to be unique and special because you were able to, overcome this big hurdle of being a woman and still doing it Mm -hmm. that's a really really good way of putting it it places womanhood as a hurdle to be overcome rather than as just a part of of your life experience and there's definitely a lot of value that womanhood and potentially femininity can bring to you know positions of power that maybe a man couldn't or typically doesn't And there's no reason, though, to separate them as, well, men act like this, men think like this, they're the ones who should be in power. The reason that more men were and are in power is because we're still in the efforts and practices of dismantling a patriarchy where women weren't allowed to have jobs, where women were doing all this work in the home, raising children, and not getting any monetary value out of it. We're still actively dismantling this patriarchal system that doesn't allow 
women to navigate a life of monetizing their work. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people don't even realize how close we are to that history. Like, it was within the 1900s that women were just, like, allowed to have a bank account without a man. Like, like the late, like, 1900s. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, that, that wasn't allowed. You had to have a man to own property, to, to like, start a business. Like, that was wild. So we're still we're still looking at it through this patriarchal lens that like womanhood, we have to overcome it when that's not what it is. It's that the system made it that way. Right. We're not overcoming the barriers that like are inherently there, like within our womanhood, we're overcoming obstacles in place by a system that mm-hmm. didn't want us there. Um, and of course, then, then we go into those intersections again, like, okay, so white women could vote in this era, but black women couldn't, you know, there's lots of timeline obstacles that we have to acknowledge in how much progression we're really going to make. Like, of course it's going to therefore be easier for white women to have more power in corporate America than black women. Amen. Amen. Um, (laughs) A lovely little bit of nuance, a lovely little bit of intersectionality. Um, We should have a bingo card anytime we say any of these keywords. I just got really excited about that. Um, We're going to do it. We're going to make a drinking game bingo card. We're going to put it on the Instagram and people can play along when they listen. And y'all are going to get drunk (laughs) on Tuesday morning. On a Tuesday morning. That's okay. We're actually going to do this. Because that sounds like a fun time. Um, <laughs> what a great idea. Such Thank a you. hashtag girl boss moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my entre- entrepreneurial spirit. Um, yeah, but this is like all of this whole conversation is why I am so anti girl boss. And I've low key dedicated this year um, and also just like my existence to an anti girl boss lifestyle. Um, and I know like some people listening, they're going to be like, what? So you're just not going to work? No, we live in a capitalist society. I'm not trying to die. I'm not trying to starve. (laughs) I got to get a job. It has to happen. I know. Every time I go to work, I'm like, why? I'm in the system. (laughs) I'm one of them. (laughs) Uh, just another cog in the capitalist system, but like an unwilling one. (laughs) That's the anarchist spirit. Yes. Try, trying not to go to work because it's against what the man wants. <laughs> but, Big brother. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But this it's because I have been taking some time and also just studying ethics uh, like more in depth this year has really forced me to refine my worldview and my like life philosophy a little bit more. Um, and I've also realized that it's super important to prioritize myself and my mental health and how I spend my energy, especially because we're still in a panoramic, you know, everything's wild. Uh, It takes a lot of energy to just like go to the store now, like way more than it used to, because you have to prepare yourself. You got to be constantly sanitizing things like it's a lot. Um, And I know we've mentioned rest is resistance before, uh, but like, I mean it wholeheartedly. Like when I say it, I say it with my whole chest. 
I mean it. Um, and one one account that I want to shout out that I've been following uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's called at the nap ministry. And I love this woman so much. She is a black woman um, who has like studied just like all of this stuff um, and has like made this framework of living basically uh, that is anti-capitalist and it, it challenges capitalism and white supremacy um, by centering rest. And it's not even in the like regular uh, like wellness culture because I feel like that can that has become really commodified and a lot of people be like yeah wellness so like buy more things like no like she has she starts well, like, wellness culture has a whole lot of issues and it's interesting that you mentioned that not not to completely derail your your flow of thought but there has been so much lately in like headlines of how white women in wellness culture have really been inciting more and more people to follow conspiracy theories like QAnon and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I think that's something to keep in mind that a lot of influencers and wellness uh, figures have a lot of um, agendas behind their work. Yeah. And you should honestly, I think it's really important to know where someone's work is coming from and that's also what I love about the nap ministry it's more than just like remember to like get your rest it she talks about frequently how this is rooted in um in like an anti like a decolonized mindset of wellness and it starts like the the first thing that drew me in is it starts with her just like talking about the importance of napping If you are tired, you should sleep. Your body is telling you you are tired. It is okay to take a nap. We let our children nap, but when you're an adult, suddenly you're expected to just get through the day every single day, never like have an extra need for more rest. And I really like that, especially because like right now I don't have a nine to five. I don't have that like very strict, rigid schedule. And sometimes I would feel bad about letting myself sleep in. But it's not like I'm missing any of my commitments or responsibilities. I shouldn't feel bad about allowing my body this time it needs to rest. And so just really centering that as a way to actively work against capitalism and white supremacy, because these are systems and institutions that have thrived off the subjugation and degradation of our bodies and particularly of black bodies. And so I, as a queer black woman, am taking time to center rest and my wellness in whatever way I can. So like even like right now, job hunting, big yikes. I'm prioritizing jobs that aren't like barely giving me crumbs, you know? Like the this is what I'm I'm looking at. Like what is their vacation time like? How do they do paid time off? What are their sick days like? These are things that I think a lot of people don't take into account. And look, yes, there's nuance like that I am in a space where I have the privilege to take that into account in looking. Um, but if you have the privilege to, why what, like, why is it so looked down upon to center our individual needs sometimes, especially when it's something as simple as resting? Absolutely. 
I think that's a really powerful thing to be able to like acknowledge for yourself that that's something you need and that that's something that should be normalized. Um, because that's, I mean, that's not something I did my job search not that long ago. Um, I was in the same position six or seven months ago and I, I wasn't doing that. I am often enveloped in this hustle culture of, I need to get this done to meet this goal so I can go get my doctorate. If I don't do that, then this happens. And, you know, especially with the pandemic, there was also this insight of, I have to get a job. I have to get back out there. I lost my job. I need something. I need, like, how am I going to be able to do this, that, and the other thing without it? Um, so I think that's a very, very important thing to acknowledge. Um, and that did make me uh, think of another influencer um, that I would love to mention is Rachel Cargill. Um, she's the owner, well, founder of the Loveland Foundation, which I adore. If you don't know much about, if you don't know much about the Loveland Foundation, please look into it and look into Rachel. She's incredible. Um, but she posted, I think, just a day ago. She announced to her team that there is that their company is implementing a no meeting Fridays. Um, and she wrote this long post about how in this era of Zoom that constantly people are going back to back to back meetings, when in reality, if we were in this work from home lifestyle, you wouldn't be expected to do that. No one would be like, oh, yeah, right after your next meeting, go to this meeting and this meeting and this meeting, because it's just not attainable. Um, granted, I think that there are some advantages of working at home, like, oh, I don't have to run to the next meeting. I don't have to physically move. I don't have to do this. But you do still have a lot of other um, components that would haven't changed. You still have to do all the work <laughs> that was involved in those meetings. You still, you may be having to do extra childcare that you never had to do in the past. Um, if your kids are you know, doing school from home and things like that. So she made this long post um, and I really encourage everyone to follow her or at least read this post that she was talking about it because I think it's really, really powerful as a leader. She's the owner of her company, the founder of this organization. And she took the steps to say, I don't expect this of my employees because this is unacceptable. And I think a lot of this toxicity has come out of the pandemic of expecting people to do things that we wouldn't expect them otherwise. And that's a very American thing to do, to expect people to run and run and run until they're completely burned down. And I think the pandemic has allowed us to realize some of those things like, oh, I guess my employees could have worked from home some of those days I said they couldn't. I guess... Our mental health is important because everyone is facing the same major trauma, major stressor. But I think that that culture of completing everything in like never resting and maybe feeling guilty for, oh, I can't rest. I mean, I'm working from home. I'm in my pajamas. I don't need to rest. If you're, you still need a separation of your work life from your real life and the rest of the world isn't going to stop. And now you may have new challenges you didn't have before. Um, so I think that that's a really, really important thing that ties into what you were saying. And, you know, of course, another amazing Black woman who's 
not a girl boss, just a boss that happens to be a girl. I am so happy you brought Rachel Cargill up. I am such a big fan. All of her posts, I love them. I always read through them in entirety. And I know nobody else is going to be able to see this because it's a podcast, but I wanted to show you. I've gotten into bullet journaling again. This was one of my things that I wanted oh, to do. Oh, yay. And I made a spread for like my 2021 intentions. Um, and it happened. Like, first of all, it's really pretty. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, you're extremely artistic, so I, I'm, I'm not really surprised, but I would never be able to accomplish that, so I have a lot of admiration for it. Feel free to make me one and send it. By that, I mean make me one and send it. <laughs> please. Girl, I will. Um, please, 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 please. I, okay, one, because, like, a, the bullet journal has really been a place for me to, like, get more creative as well because that's something I love to do um but in my intentions for 2021 I have this beautiful spread guys um it's got like gold and black and stars and some leaves but I took two like quotes slash mantras that Rachel Cargill had posted um just like talking about rest and one of them she has this on her Instagram. Um, there's There was five total. And I took the two that I really resonated with and put those. This is my second page of my entire journal for the year. <laughs> and so it's, there is no martyrdom in the exhausted. Ooh. That's the first one. I really loved that one. Like I want it on a t-shirt. Like it's so, like that's beautiful to me. And then the second one is I choose proactive rest. Instead of crumbling of exhaustion when I'm tired, I will rest up and offer myself energy to go about my day, month, or year. I love that. That's incredible. And I just, so she's a great resource. I think she really embodies, like, at least for me, I look at her account and I see, like, what it means to live success quote-unquote successfully but to be following your dreams actively like pursuing the things that you want without succumbing to this need to be a hashtag girl boss to be super productive and always overworking yourself like it's so important to find that balance and I am just I, I love her account for constantly reminding me that I need to find that balance for myself absolutely well I'm glad we we share that not surprised at all um I know we've talked about Loveland before mm-hmm. but yeah I think that's a really these uh, these accounts are really important and relevant to this conversation even though it may feel like we kind of derailed but it really is relevant that like if you need some inspiration of seeing how can I live that life though how can I get out of this structure of a world only centering my successes in tandem with my gender expression um there are people out there doing that. And a lot of people are really putting a lot of effort into dismantling all of these issues that we talk about constantly. Um, And I think that's why we like to provide other resources to show that like, although we are still struggling with this, we are young, Kimona and I are still making conscious choices of how we want to live these lives. But there are people who are farther along than we are that we want to connect you with. Um, so definitely give those accounts a, uh, a look and follow um, follow them if you can. And um, us too, obviously, at Rebels Advocate Pod. <laughs> and definitely check that out because there's definitely going to be a bingo board coming up oh, that has sure. some fun, <laughs> fun little things on it. Um, but yeah, use 
if you enjoy our podcast and enjoy the kinds of thought process that we go through, use the resources we use because that can definitely lead you down the line of what works for you. If you like them, maybe they'll show you another account. And then, you know, it really spins that way to get your social media profile and the things that you're seeing on a daily basis actually aligning with the life you want to lead. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to tell the people? Come on. Um, well, you've mentioned our Instagram handle on Twitter. We are at rebels, ADV pod. Um, so follow us on there. Cause that bingo board is, it's going to happen. It's going to be a great time. I'm very excited for it. Um, and other than that, I think we'll see you guys next week, Tuesday. Yeah, um, and just know that there's going to be a lot of things happening this upcoming week with the inauguration. So with another likely stressful time uh, upon us, make sure to take a step back and, you know, not induce panic attacks like I do. (laughs) Just be aware of when triggers are coming, stay informed, but prioritize rest as we really like to say here at Rebels Advocate. All right, we will see you next week. Bye-bye.